Welcome to A Handful of Hope, where we bring you heart-to-heart conversations with heart-centered people. Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another edition of A Handful of Hope. I am so happy and grateful to have Suzanne Senna with us here today, who was born missing the No You Can't chip and spent a lifetime ignoring every limit she ever learned. The Emmy-nominated talent, entrepreneur, and now thought leader on confidence, Senna coaches America's corporate workforce for the use to use the same mindset. Perhaps most famously, famously, she is known for the Fox News Channel, Regis Kathy Lee, Entertainment TV, among others. Today, as America's Confidence Catalyst, she also hosts a podcast, The Confidence Connection, that gives the inside scoop on how some of the most successful names in the world have made it. Senna is also penning a book that provides a roadmap for others to tap into their personal superstardom. It's Senna's attitude that makes her uniquely qualified to teach others confidence. She's been around some of the most incredible people whose greatness inspired her own success, and she was never intimidated by them. She was motivated. Oh, I love that. Suzanne, welcome, and thank you so much for being here. Thank you for having me. Boy, I sound impressive when you read it that way. I love it. <laughs> yeah, you really do. But you know what I, I think is so impressive about that is that very last piece, that you were never intimidated or motivated because... I feel like that is such an incredibly powerful distinction where, you know, I know in my own life, I can, I can attest to this and others, clients I've worked with, the thing that has been the biggest stopping point to them getting from where they are to where they want to be has never been a lack of desire, work ethic, resources, resourcefulness. It has always been the notion that they can't hang with that person, that that person is, is it, it's, they're out of their league, they're, they're too smart for them, or I, I'm not smart enough. And I think that is such an incredible distinction. And, and the fact that that's always been how you, was that something that you learned? Was it something that you just, did you recognize it innately as a child that you had that? No, you know, I think it's really interesting because I used to say to people when they ask questions like that, that I think I just had this lovely, blissful ignorance that I should be intimidated. You know, I would do things because to me, why wouldn't you ask for something? You might get it, you might not. And I'm not really sure where that comes from. Um, but the more it worked for me, the more, of course, I just went forward. But nowadays, I mean, I've, I've been in the business for so long and, and as you know, have coached other people um, to take risks and to, to be their best selves, really. But I think that what we find is that exactly what you said, people prejudge. They try to think what other people might think, and we can't do that. You know, sometimes you can build up your mindset by reading books like, you know, The Four Agreements is a great book, all these books that can kind of help you if you really realize most of what happens around you has nothing to do with you. If somebody says something nasty, it's not about you. It's about what they've had going on in their day. Um, you know, if you don't get a job, you, it's not because you did a bad job in the interview. It could very well be that someone else is more qualified, but there are ways to improve, you know, and that's one of the things that I, I work on in my podcast. I talk about to other guests who are successful because we've all started with roadblocks. You know, um, I did not have encouragement when I was growing up. I didn't come from a family that really thought that women should, should excel, believe it or not. It was more like, oh, you know, she's probably not going to want to go to college. But no, of course I wanted to go to college. Um, and so I felt very independent. And honestly, there's almost a freedom in that. I didn't have expectations to meet from other mm -hmm. people. And to me, there were no limits. I just, I just always believed that if you wanted something, you could find a way. And I really do believe that. And that might sound like, oh boy, she just says that it's easy for her. That's not true. Um, there is 
a way to get and have what you want, but sometimes it's not that obvious. And sometimes you need to look and see what's in the way of you having it so that you can identify what that is and remove it. And people tend not to do that. Um, there was something else I wanted to say. Let's see if I can remember it, but people prejudge what people might think or say, and they talk themselves out of something before they even try. I have a wonderful friend. Um, she's so brilliant. She's had a very high position at a big studio, um, executive type, and their company went through a major you know, laying off period. Um, and she hasn't really felt comfortable applying for other things since. And sometimes I've seen a wonderful opportunity and it really fits her to a T. And she'll say, oh, no, no, I, I don't have experience really? in this or that. You know, people are so yeah. easy, because it's easy. You're not putting yourself out there. Yeah. It's really about learning to be okay if you're out there and it doesn't happen because just keep going further. You know, you really don't hear many success stories that didn't start with a lot of failures. So true. They just kept going. That's yeah. really the difference. Suzanne, you said something about really not putting expectations. Do you, I'm curious, I think that's so, that's so incredibly powerful because it's, it seems like our expectations often handicap our performance, <laughs> yes. right? Oh, absolutely. You know, is that something, do you, do you still practice that where you don't assign expectations for your own personal outcomes, your personal success? Or how, how do you approach that? Because I imagine you set goals, right? Oh, yeah, of course, all the and, time. But the how, time. Do you, how do you negotiate that fine line of goal setting with expectations? Well, some of it comes from experience. You know, people start with New Year's resolutions and they don't, they don't meet them because they're unrealistic, right? You've got to start with realistic expectations. And I think that in the past few years, I can think of two times where I expected more of myself than I could give. And I took those lessons, which, you know, when you have a breakdown, everyone has a breakdown when they feel like they're disappointing someone or themselves. Those two times I remember thinking, okay, I have learned that I can't, I have to say no sometimes. Mm. I want to please everyone. I think I can do everything. I'm superwoman. And then sometimes I just can't. And, but I didn't used to be able to separate that. Like, that's okay to be able to say, I can't, I've got to take care of myself. Sometimes it breaks my heart to not do something I want to do. But I think, no, I've learned that I'd rather do what I, I can focus on well than, than not sleep, not eat, not take care of myself and push myself. I'm never going to be my best that way. So I think the number one thing people need to do in it, when it comes to setting expectations is really try to set realistic expectations and set small goals that can lead to the bigger goals. You know, you can't run a marathon if you don't run a little bit every day and every day you'll run a little bit more. I'm a singer. I, I've done singing in the past. Um, I know that if you can carry a tune, you can learn to really sing. I know that. And I know that if you're going to become a singer, you're never going to be quiet for three weeks and then get up on a stage and perform. You're going to have to do a little bit every day to warm yourself up, to stretch your range. And that really is true of anything in life, you know? So you have to set your sights on something that's fairly easy to attain and then stretch yourself to go a little further. And if you get into a roadblock, try to identify what's stopping you and deal with that first. And I guess that's it. You know, we're all human. We're always going to have a time where at some point we disappoint ourselves. The, the trick is to not let it stop you in your tracks. You know, it's, it's, it's utterly fascinating when you lay it out like that. It sounds so simple, right? Here's, here's the steps. And it really is. There's, there's steps to these processes. But then inevitably we encounter the, the voices, yeah. the voices of doubt, the voices that might not even be our voices, but it might be mom's or it might be, 
I, I remember very distinctly, I, and I still have it, the images vivid in my mind. One of my voices is grandma. Well, actually, Nana. Nana would hate it if I ever called her grandma. <laughs> and her telling me, six, seven years old, having the conversation, what do you want to be when you grow up? I respond, as most six, seven-year-olds do, I want to be a baseball player. And she looks at me and says, you don't want to be a baseball player. Baseball players are stupid. You don't want to be an athlete. Athletes are dumb. You want to do something to use your brains. Education was very big because she was – she part of her identity was so wrapped in her going to undergrad school and getting a degree which she never used but you know that was a very big way that she established herself and she tried to distinguish herself in society so from that i would hear that voice oftentimes and that voice would leave me feeling so deflated and so defeated in the, the opportunity to pursue stuff so we have this we have this process laid out of what we can do but we hit those roadblocks, the voices pop up. What do we start to do? How do we start to change that dialogue with ourselves to, to, build, to build the confidence to be able to tackle those roadblocks? Great question, Jesse. And I, it's, I wonder how many people watching or listening can relate to your story. Because the minute you said that, I had a flashback to a moment in my life where as a child, I was asked, what do I want to do? And I said, I wanted to be an actress. And I, I can literally still hear the laughter of my uncle. Wow. laughing, oh, is that so cute, you know, but what do you really want to do? You know, cut to 30 years later and I'm in a TV show as a lead. Okay, that's great. Um, but I remember that because I definitely then turned my sights a different direction. And here's, I think, one of the most valuable things if you can take away and you're listening right now or watching about how to combat those voices. It's important to understand the mindset of the person who said it to you. And it took me a long time to realize, because let's face it, our parents, our family members, our boyfriends, girlfriends, spouses, those people, their opinions matter. They matter and they shape us, especially when we're young. But what I learned is that when someone expresses that to you and negativity about something you're wanting to do, it's their own anxieties that are coming through. And your grandmother, sorry to call her that, is, um, your, is a, as a classic example with the way you explained why she felt the way she did, she was worried for you that you wouldn't have the opportunities because she didn't see the potential of becoming a professional baseball player, making a living as a baseball player, getting sponsorships and making millions as a baseball player. Cool, $150 she, million dollar contract. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I promise you that in her world, that she, that's not real. So she wanted you to, it's because she loved you and wanted you to have a future that you could count on, that she gave you that very bad advice, if that makes sense. That makes total sense. And it's almost like in a way that it's, it's, it's almost like in a way it's giving people permission or it's giving yourself permission to remove that emotional, God, what's the word I'm looking for? Like remove that emotional stranglehold that we gave people on our future, on our destiny. You're 100% right. It's funny you said that. You said stranglehold. I was thinking, um, uh, help me here. Uh, what do you get chained up with? Oh, uh, handcuffs. Huh. Somebody who's chaining you to something or chaining you back, you know, get the key in and unlock those handcuffs and, and say, look, you're, you're trying to protect me by locking me to the, you know, the gate there, but let me go and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to be okay. 
the person who tends to put those um, chains on you are people who just are nervous themselves, or it's usually motivated from a good place because they don't want you. My parents never wanted me to do sports, so I didn't do sports. Why didn't they want me to do sports? I didn't know. I thought maybe it was too expensive to get the equipment or whatever, and I, so I didn't really develop a passion for it. And then in college, I got recruited to be on the water ski team because they needed women. And um, I was, I was uh, good friends with people who were starting the team. And so I was so proud that I was on the water behind a boat helping a team. And I asked my parents to come and see, and they said no. And I asked why, and they said they did not want to see it if I got hurt. So then I realized that's why they never wanted me to play wow. sports. They weren't trying to be non-supportive. They're fearful. The anxiety and fear other people have gets put on the people they influence. And it's important that we realize we can work through that. We can, when we learn the motivation that those things were said, but we can separate. A lot of those things aren't personal at all. And in fact, as I just pointed out, a lot of those things are meant to help you or come from a place of protection. But as a child, you don't see that. You don't know that. And it sticks with you. Ironically, there are some people in life, many people, who have that bad kind of hold back and um, you know, negative lack of encouragement who come out just more determined than ever to make it, and they do. But I have known plenty of people who've had a wonderful upbringing and positivity and also make it. You know, It's interesting how people will take that, but it really starts by looking within and, and trying to separate those things instead of buying into it. And it takes practice, by the way. You can't just flip a switch and get rid of those tapes, as Dr. Phil would say, right? You can't just flip a switch and they're gone. You have to start saying it. And I'm going to give a quick example, Jesse, um, in a different way. You know, no matter how many successes I had, and I've done a lot of great things, and I can say that now to you because I know it's true that I've accomplished a lot. And it probably took me 40 years to admit that because wow. the way I was raised and just kind of the feelings and the tapes in my own head were sort of like, well, that would be bragging or I don't even know how I got that job. And then at some point it was like, no, wait a minute. Um, I got that because I earned it and I was good at it. But because I didn't have that constant positivity coming at me, feedback from close family members like that, um, it, was, it was hard to accept. So I found that I'd have to say I'm successful. And mm. even just saying it to you, I wondered, oh, I hope that didn't sound, you know, pompous because that's still a little bit in there, but only by saying it out loud, did I really start to feel it? Mm. That's, that's, you've got to practice. It's like a vision board, but you've got it within you and to put it out on a board or to put it out into the universe. They're both important for your confidence. Confidence building is something you can do and people think someone's either confident or not, but how do we get confident? We get confident by having positive feedback and by doing something that we feel good about. I talk a lot, you know, I have a podcast that we've just launched called The Confidence Connection. These are the types of things we're exploring, how other people gain confidence to have their successes, but also things that I've gone through and how I learned to overcome those things as far as building that confidence. When you try something and it doesn't go well, you can learn from that and try again and you've got an advantage. But Jesse, you can also have a success and learn from that and have more confidence. And the way you do that is by asking questions. Because if you fail at something and you never ask why to the person who could help you, you'll never know what to do the next time to do it better. You'll just still be shooting in the dark. Like, I don't know for sure how to do this, but think about this. What if you 
actually got a success, you had a success, you got hired, you got the job, you landed the role. What if you asked the person who hired you why you got it? Think about how valuable that lesson is going forward. Now, you know what worked. So a lot of it is just information gathering and asking for feedback and not being offended or stopping your tracks if it's not what you want to hear. So then I so appreciate you sharing that because I think there's such a human piece of that that's so important to touch on. You know, looking through your bio, talking to you now, having holding space with you, I think, wow, you know, she's done so many cool things and she's so articulate and she's obviously worked really hard on perfecting this and working on it and, and mastering this craft because it's not easy to do this and to, you know, have this, have this career, it's a testament to what you've done. So there's obviously, there's been a lot of effort, a lot of rehearsal, a lot of deserved success to get to the climb the ladders that you have and to hear that even knowing that and doing that and being in that small percentage that actually does it still was that struggle of even acknowledging it right mm -hmm. and I, I really appreciate you saying that because i think it's such a, a beautiful part of humanity is sometimes in humanity we will and i and i what i really appreciate about that is because i believe that there's people listening and watching right now that have dreams or aspire to reach heights that you have yeah. And the biggest thing that's stopping them is they don't think they can because they are struggling with that same voice. And so to hear right. someone who they could look at as a role model and say, wow, wait, she literally had the same dialogue as me. And if she oh, could yeah. make the climb, so can I. I. I appreciate that too, because that's why my mission is all focused now on being a catalyst for confidence. I really want to show people and to help them and to realize there's not a person that I know of in the world who is so successful, who hasn't struggled with something at some time or another. Mm -hmm. You know, people who haven't been successful for a long time and then are, are always worried. They're always worried that someone's going to find out they, they shouldn't have the job or, you know, they don't really deserve it. We all have, you know, weird things like that in our mind, but it's important to uh, share. Um, Jesse, a long time ago, when I was in my very early 20s, um, I didn't know that I had any interest in having my own business. Never crossed my mind. Why would it? And then I met a woman who now is still one of my very best friends in the world. She, I want to say, was maybe 20 years old. And I met her because I was a marketing director at a, a big two-story restaurant. And she was the person who owned their data processing firm. She's like 20. Wow. And she came in. We immediately loved each other. And we just clicked. And we started being friends. And next thing you know, several months later, we decided to be roommates. Now, sharing a space with a woman who was running a business, who was younger than me, um, I just watched her and I was like, oh, well, I could do this. Mm. It put it in my world of reality. And so I thought, well, I want to do that. I have all these other things I'd like to do. Being in one place isn't allowing me to pursue all of my passions. And that's when I got the idea to start my business. If I never met her, if I never spent time with her, or lived with her, um, I, I guarantee you, I never would have had a business and I don't even know the way the paths would have ended up going. But I want to encourage people to reach out to people who know more than they do. Mm -hmm. And because most people are fairly generous with knowledge, with sharing knowledge, and because they needed to get it from somewhere, you'd be surprised how many people in high level positions will take time to talk to you if you ask, but nobody asks. So what do you think the best way to ask is? Is it, because there's so many ways that we can ask. We have 
LinkedIn, we have Facebook, we have Twitter, we have Instagram, we have yeah. TikTok, we have, I mean, <laughs> then there's DM, you know, like every single modality, phone calls, emails. What do, what do you feel is the best way to try to connect with someone and to make that ask? Well, obviously many different avenues and many of them are, are flooded, right? Emails used to be the thing and then it's like, oh, who can open all the emails in a day? Or, you know, if you want to send a note, who's actually getting a written anything nowadays? And I, I get what you're saying, there are a lot of different ways to do it. It's more of a concept in asking, I don't want to be all, you know, it's asking the universe in this way. Tell everybody, tell mm -hmm. everybody you know on every format, every platform, what it is you want to do. Because in doing that, somebody will hear you who knows somebody who could link you up and have a connection. It's always going to be a personal connection, most likely in some way, shape or form that's going to introduce you to somebody who can be a mentor or help you. I get calls all the time from friends who say, oh, you know, my daughter, um, she's got a friend who's graduating college, wants to be a broadcaster, send her a note. Make sure she puts in the subject head, um, recommended by so-and-so. So I know that's coming in for me from a personal connection. If you start telling people what it is you want, somebody will help by answering. It's really more, not about making a phone call once, although you can. If you really admire somebody, you can try and make a phone call and see if you can get through and say what you're looking for. But in our busy, crazy world, and now, now with all of our jumbled, upside down potential futures, people aren't sure of anything, the most important thing to do is really just be vocal about it. If you want to become an accountant, um, who knows an accountant? I'd love to talk to an accountant. I'd love to talk to somebody about how they started. What about saying you have a blog? What about starting a blog? And then asking the people you want to learn from if you can interview them for your blog. Right. I'll tell you something. When I was at E! News, um, I, that was my first big foray into the celebrity Hollywood world. Prior to that, just like anyone else, I was reading the Us magazines, the People magazines, never had any ambition to necessarily be on a show like E! News. And so, yes, dream job. I talk about it in my blogs. I write about the experiences. But one of the coolest things for me, because I have a business mind and I'm always looking forward, um, wasn't how cool it was to mingle with a celebrity. I would say something like, I'm going to give this as an example because I think she's an amazing person. I want to meet Lisa Gibbons. Boy, I would love to know her. She's so smart. She's so this. So I would tell people in the company. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden, one of the booking agents said, I think she has a book she's promoting. Let me give her a call. I was like, Wait, what? Wow. Next thing you know, I'm booked to do a little segment I started, which turned into a show called Out to Lunch. Next thing you know, I'm going to her dressing room in her studio where her show is produced, having lunch with her. And guess what I got to ask her? Anything I wanted. I asked her things that to this day, I still use. Like one of them is just, you know, I asked her this great question. When did people, when, when did you find in your life and career that you could say, I want a nursery in my dressing room and they make it, or I want my own um, radio show down the hall. I want this. When did you find that people would say, oh yes, absolutely. And she said, Suzanne, it happened when I started to ask. Wow, really? I'm chills thinking about that moment. God, I got goosebumps. I mean, I'm serious. You, she started to ask. I have a, a really stupid example that has nothing to do with big professional success. But sometime after that, I was shooting something in a closed, um, like a closed down uh, record store. Records, people, those are things that, you know, we listen to. <laughs> but it was, it was during my time at E! And I went to go do this little shoot. And, um, you know, the building wasn't really opened. 
And I was like, oh, I just really wish I had an iced coffee. I wish I had an iced coffee. It sounds so dumb. I wish I had a Starbucks iced coffee. And then somebody went down the street and they're like, I found one. I'm like, okay, I didn't ask actually for it. I told you it was a bad example. But I did this also once for a friend in a restaurant. Oh, this was so awful. I'm gonna, I'm gonna stop with those stories. But the point is whether it's frivolous, yeah. whether it's something meant for luxury, like I really wanna go on a trip. You know, I've got friends who really love to travel but didn't have money to travel and found ways to go on trips because they could get hired to do some shooting or be a PA production assistant mm. on a shoot that was happening on a ship. You know, there's, you've got to ask, start asking. I have a friend who owns several multi, multi-million dollar businesses and you ask nice them. friend. Yeah, you ask them, <laughs> they'll say straight up, what, what's the most important thing to your success? They say asking. There asking. you go. Like it's I'm literally no, nothing profound, nothing. They'll just answer asking and that's yeah. it, period. Yeah because people don't. Why don't they? It goes back to what we said before, Jesse. Yeah. And that has to do with people being afraid of what people will think of them. Will they judge me? Will they say no? And you have to ask yourself, what's the worst case scenario in any of those things? Hmm. What? What if they judge you? Oh, well, then you still don't have what you wanted. But if they, they don't have, you know, the, the, their opinions are their opinions. Or if they say no, are you embarrassed for having asked? No, you shouldn't be. And if you do feel embarrassed for having asked, let's talk about that, right? That's a whole nother thing to explore so that you can get more comfortable in realizing it's not the worst thing in the world to be told no. And there's a way to find a yes within the no. Mm -hmm. Way more than we have time to talk about today. But again, that's my, my mission, um, really. And that's what the book will be about eventually. And you know, there are so many things I wanna do. I've worked so closely, first of all, when I was at Fox News, I was at the Fox News channel and I had a lot of spare time because I was doing breaking news overnight. I was doing breaking news in the morning, little news updates. And the interns started asking me, how do you use the teleprompter? So I started teaching them and why not? You know, let's help other people grow. And the more I did that, the more I realized I had knowledge to share. That eventually turned into me opening up a company that was training people starting with teleprompter. Everyone from you know Fortune 500 executives to wannabe hosts, then in the last decade, that's evolved into just helping people with confidence in general, be better public speakers, because your world changes. If you have more confidence, you can just accomplish so much. And so now, rather than just doing it to the people who are coming to me for public speaking or to be better you know, uh, presenters, I really wanna reach everyone, I really do. And it's a, big, it's a big hope and it doesn't have to happen overnight. It can start one person, one company at a time. I'm going to be definitely honing in on people for careers because a lot of people are going to be looking for work. Yeah. A lot of people are, who are in companies are going to need and want advancements. And, you know, hopefully if a bit of advice from me helps, if a speech from me, a keynote helps somebody motivate and get further along in their life, that's what I want to do. I think that that's such an incredible gift to be able to share with people too, especially now I was, I was talking with one of my clients the other day and saying, this is going to be the ultimate time for hiring companies because you're going to have the biggest talent pool to pull from probably ever. And to have somebody out there like yourself, who's helping those prospects and build the confidence and build them and get them primed to be able to go in. Because I think a lot of those people who are in that talent pool, would have never found themselves in that pool had this not have happened and realized that, wait, they have more to offer than the level they were playing at. That's so brilliant what you just said. Um, a friend of ours graduated um, recently uh, from college and um, university and was trying, 
was really nervous about the situation, thinking worst time ever to be looking for a job. And my husband said, um, best, best time, if you're talented especially, because now companies are going to be looking for the cream of the crop. And times like this, he said, cream of the crop rises to the top. Mm. And so, you know, that can sound cliche, but you're right. There, the point of though, your mindset is what's getting you there, Jesse. And that's one of the things I like to focus on. It, it isn't like, oh, I heard this, so let me go do it. You have to have the mindset that understands and believes in what we're saying and what you're saying. You have to say, okay, this is a challenging time. And sometimes you have to reinvent the wheel and look at things from a different way. You can't say, well, I worked in this. Did you ever see that book or read that book called Who Moved My Cheese? Have you heard oh, yeah. of it? Oh, yeah, yeah, okay. yeah, yeah, many times. Let's just say that the cheese has not been moved for everybody. The cheese has been destroyed. The cheese has been turned into something else. It's a melted mess, but it's still delicious. We just have to figure out something else. So if the cheese isn't there, well, something else will be. We still have to eat. So it's a kind of a strange analogy, but I think one of the problems people are going to have coming back from all of this right now is that what we see in front of us isn't great and it stops us from doing some of the things we wanted to do or want to do in the short run. So you have to start to think, well, what else do I want to do? Oh my gosh, I have a, a friend. If she sees this, I hope she knows it's her. She will. Um, she's brilliant writer, brilliant. And for the last several years, she's had her own business, many years actually. Um, and it's, it's something she believes in her business, but it's not something that fills her with the same passion. She may be in a position to not do the work she's been doing through her business because of what's going on. And I said, if what comes out of this is that you finally get out there and write and put your writing into the world, it'll be your biggest blessing. And it's hard. Most of us don't take risks when we have something comfortable. But look, when you are already at a place where you really can only go up, you know, go for it. You're not risking that much. You're not. And I'm not trying to make light of this because I know there are families who are in dire straits. And there are people who, I've got friends. My poor friend, um, his sister died um, and they went to the funeral in New York and seven of his family members got COVID. His wife's still in the hospital as of right now. He was in the hospital for so many days. I mean, she's on 49, 50 days in the hospital. Really serious stuff. I get that. So I'm not trying to make light of it. But I am saying as a people, as a person, as a nation, we have to go forward. So we have to start saying, okay, well, if I can't have A, like I had before, how can I have it now? Hey, look at how we're so much more comfortable now video chatting. Yeah. Look at the way it's going to change most of us realize we can do a business from home. Yeah. I mean, we have to try and find that silver lining. That's how, we, that's how we cope, but that's how we survive, and that's how we actually advance. There's a lady who I interviewed for this series who is a doctor up in Canada and they now the Canadian, I think it's the Canadian Ministry of Health has allowed doctors to do virtual medicine. So oh, yeah. as long as it's not something where it's especially she's able to meet with somebody just like this, go through the prognostic procedure, everything like that. She said she actually likes it. Their patients like it more. Suzanne, I know we're, we're running short on time and I want to be respectful of that. You said something and it completely changed the final question I want to ask you oh. and it inspired this and I, I hope this makes sense. Because this is such a unique time, because uh, you, let's use your friend as an example, because I think what your, her story spoke so much to me, like I felt that one. I believe that there are so many people and statistics will back this up. 60 to 80% of the U.S. population strongly dislikes, borderline hates the work they've been doing. 
There are so many people who are doing things because it's what they've been taught. They were told they had their grandma, their uncle telling them, no, you can't, you should do this instead. And now there's been this thing where the world has kind of been turned and they have, they might be feeling fear. They might have anxiety, but they also still have that fire. That's always been burning. It's never quite gone out. It takes a tremendous amount of courage and confidence to probably act on that. And I'm wondering because this is such a unique situation and so for your friend or for the other people out there who are like your friend, would you encourage them? I'm trying to think how I want to even ask this. Would you encourage them if they had to take one step in one direction or the other, and that step is going to be the step that's going to be the confidence building step for them to begin the journey that's going to build the momentum of where their new near future lies. Do they step in a place where it's more comfortable or more certain, or they take this time now to step more towards their passion? Something that may not seem, may seem a little scarier, but in their heart, like your friend has, has always known that's where they're supposed to be anyways. It's a really powerful question. And Jesse, my first part of the answer is that it's going to be different. Any advice I would give would be different to everyone based on their situations, mm. because we can say that, but my friend lives alone. Um, she's been able to get by kind of in rough times before. Yeah. It's really her that she's responsible for. If you've got kids, you may not have the luxury to just say, well, I'm going to try this. Mm. But I am a proponent of during this time, if you are still quarantined, if your work has changed and you aren't working, to start exploring the possibilities of the passion. I've got another example. Um, one of my best friends, um, grew up basically performing and she and her husband ended up meeting performing they ended up cruising the world on this high level ship singing they're wonderful performers they ended up moving um, to seattle when they got married and and had their kids and to support their kids and to have a wonderful life they started a company based on photography school photography which was a very stable sure thing until the schools all closed wow all of their friends, family, friends, all of us are saying, well, isn't it time you start putting an act together? And I know that sounds like, well, you know, let's go put on a show. They're wonderful. What if they, what if they could do that? And she got so excited for a minute thinking, oh my gosh, you just kind of reminded me that's, oh, that would be, that's my passion. But she was being rational. She needs to be logical. So I said, okay, but now that we've identified this, what about putting it together because you have time on your hands and then maybe you just do it once a month at a local restaurant. So I don't have one answer for everybody and it's not going to be that easy for everyone. Mm. But just as I've said, the first step to so much progress is to ask for it from the universe. It's also to ask yourself, ask yourself mm. what you want, what, you know, I don't want to, I'm not want to be all promotional. Um, I have a podcast version that I'm sent, uh, doing next week um, that'll launch called um, Why Not Me? Why Not Me? And in it, very specific steps that I'm about to just tell you, and I, I'll just hold on to those. But there are ways to remove obstacles. You've got to identify them first. You've got to identify how to remove them. And then you've got to take the action to remove them. But starts by asking for what you want of the world, asking yourself how to get it. And how much it means to you and then ask for support you know most spouses might think um you know i've got to do this my wife my husband would would not be happy if i did. how do you know have you asked 
most people want our loved ones to be happy. So anyway, that's, that's my answer, Jesse. It's not one stop for everybody, but I do believe that we are going to have a lot of good that comes from the bad. Love that answer. Everyone, my goodness, are you going to want to rewatch, re-listen, rewatch, re-listen, and take some more notes and then take even more notes. <laughs> this has not only been a crash course on building confidence, it's really been an incredible crash course on how to live a better life and build a better business. I love the notion of if anybody can carry a tune, you can learn to sing. What a beautiful metaphor that is. And right now there is music inside of you, music that you could begin to tap into and begin to compose your masterpiece. You know, sometimes we think that the limitations of life will prevent us from doing that. But remember, was it Beethoven or Mozart that was deaf? Yeah. And that they composed some of the most amazing masterpieces that are so celebrated now. Looking at and remembering that there's obstacles. Obstacles in your path do not mean that's the end of the journey. It means that that's just an obstacle and there are ways around it. As yeah. Suzanne said, and that's part of where our growth is, that's part of where our learning is. Asking, my goodness, Three little letters. Well, I guess asking is more than three little letters. Ask is three little <laughs> ask, letters. Yeah. But just learning to ask and the, and the the dichotomy of asking versus the assumptions. How many of us allow our lives, our businesses to be dictated by assumptions when on the other side of it, there's a human being that just says that it's a human being who has their same fears. I appreciate Suzanne sharing that so much that even as she had success, she still was hesitant about even talking about the success because there is a voice, whether it's the uncle's voice or whoever's voice saying, well, is that bragging? Is this this? Is it that? So the fact that everyone has those voices in some way, shape, or form can assure you that you are in fantastic company right now. And that <laughs> you are not alone. <laughs> you are not alone. You're in fantastic company in that all you need to do to start to take those next steps is start to ask. Assume less, ask more. What a beautiful lesson to take away from this. And, you know, last but not least, to remember that, gosh, really everything that we may want can be on the other side of our asking. And so it's just about beginning to ask. And I think Suzanne just laid that out so beautifully in such a poignant way today that I encourage you to not only take it to heart, but perhaps make a point once you walk away, you turn this off, you click off this, don't just carry on with your day, but make a commitment, make a pledge to yourself that you're going to ask for something and take that action. I think that would be incredible. Suzanne, this has been, what a gift and blessing this has been. Thank you so much for sharing with us today. Thank you, Jesse. And for me too, I've loved talking to you. You have great insights and I love what you're doing. Keep spreading the hope. Thank you. We will see you next time, everyone, on another edition of A Handful of Hope. Bye-bye. Thank you so much for listening. If you're finding value in these conversations, please rate and review on Apple, Google, Stitcher, or wherever your favorite place is to listen to them.